If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of July 26, 2020. The podcast that's in the room where it happened. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's supersize the news of the bogus. There just doesn't seem to be any way around it. Anytime someone gets your personal data, they up and sell it to someone. As we've discussed, hackers get all sorts of information and sell it to people, and now we know that some of the people buying are law enforcement agencies. Yes, it probably figured, but companies are taking hacked data from website breaches and selling it to police who hope that it will generate leads and enable investigation techniques such as using a breached password to log into someone's account. Because the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act doesn't apply to law enforcement, you didn't actually think it would, did you? Motherboard obtained slides from a webinar presented by SpyCloud, a company that claims to, quote, empower investigators from law enforcement agencies and enterprises around the world to more quickly and efficiently bring malicious actors to justice. The company's co-founder and chief product officer Dave Endler told Motherboard over the phone, quote, We're turning the criminals' data against them, or at least we're empowering law enforcement to do that. The problem is, almost all of the data obtained from data breaches and malicious hacking is information about innocent People, people they have no reason to believe have committed any crimes, even data about you and me. More than that, SpyCloud engages in active hacking, including working with sock puppets to gain information and even cracking passwords. Information about ordinary people that's up on SpyCloud includes emails, IP addresses, passwords, usernames, and phone numbers. Ordinarily, they could only get this information through warrants and subpoenas that are subject to judicial review. This is a complete end run around it. And it's not even clear what they're actually searching for in all this stolen data. Regular listeners will have heard me mention Rihanna Pfefferkorn several times on this podcast. She's the Associate Director of Surveillance and Cybersecurity at the Stanford Center for Internet and Society, and she told Motherboard, It's disturbing that law enforcement can simply buy their way into obtaining vast amounts of account information, even passwords, without having to obtain any legal process. Normally, if the police want to find out, say, what IP address is associated with a particular online account, they do have to serve legal process on the service provider. This is an end run around the usual legal processes. We impose those requirements on law enforcement for good reason. While tracking down criminals sounds like a silver lining about data breaches... It's unsettling that law enforcement agencies are paying taxpayer dollars to capitalize on breaches that, after all, already victimize the people whose data is in those data sets. Law enforcement is supposed to be limited by checks and balances to make sure they're not abusing their authority. But not only does SpyCloud give law enforcement data about people they're not legally entitled to, it can also give them a head start when it comes to cracking encrypted devices. It might be comforting to think that, if this information were ever actually to be used in court, the courts would throw it out as a Fourth Amendment violation. 
and everything resulting from it as fruits of a poisonous tree. But as we've seen before with the Snowden revelations, law enforcement is very good at what's known as parallel construction. That is, using data they weren't supposed to get to find out information and then work backwards to make a seemingly plausible legal origin for the data collection, such as taking out warrants to obtain information they already have. The loss of our personal data from breaches is harmful enough as it is. This puts our data in the hands of people who are authorized to use force and who, as we've seen, get away with hideous violations of the law all the time. Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Another horrible thing the police engage in that's been the cause of so much suffering is the no-knock warrant, as we've covered ad nauseum. But there's a bit of good news. They won't be a thing in South Carolina, at least for the foreseeable future, thanks to a ruling from the South Carolina Supreme Court. No-knock raids are made, particularly by drug task forces, meaning they shouldn't even be crimes to begin with, in cases where police are afraid evidence could be easily destroyed if they don't enter by surprise. But in reality, all they seem to do is increase the chances officers will provoke a violent reaction which they can use to justify killing whoever they want. And in a lot of cases, like the famous case of Brianna Taylor, there weren't even any drugs in the house. The actual person they were searching for wasn't even there. Of course, they didn't know that as they shot her eight times. And we've seen that over and over again. So State Supreme Court Chief Justice Donald Beatty ordered judges and magistrates to stop issuing no-knock warrants to police. According to Beatty, a recent survey of magistrates revealed that most do not understand the gravity of no-knock warrants and do not discern the heightened requirements for issuing a no-knock warrant. It further appears that no-knock search warrants are routinely issued upon request without further inquiry. In recognition of the dangers that the execution of no-knock warrants present to law enforcement and members of the public, it is ordered that a moratorium upon the issue of no-knock warrants by all circuit and summary court judges of this state take effect immediately and remain in effect until instruction is provided to circuit and summary court judges statewide as to the criteria to be used to determine whether a requested no-knock warrant should be issued. This instruction will be provided by the South Carolina Judicial branch. Now, it's a moratorium, not a ban, but, quote, the provisions of this order are effective immediately and remain in effect unless amended or evoked by subsequent order of the Chief Justice. Too bad, so sad, they might have to actually start doing real police work. 
But, in fact, this order was fairly well received by some, such as Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott, who said, Law enforcement can still be effective and get the job done safely without a no-knock warrant. It's not a deal-breaker for us. Columbia Attorney Pete Strom, former U.S. Attorney for South Carolina, said, It's a smart move. We are obviously in a new day. What the court has done is ensure that we don't have a bad situation arise in South Carolina. The whole country is very volatile right now. I'll just let another former U.S. Attorney, Bill Nettles, close off this segment. Quote, It's not uncommon for police to get the wrong person, or the wrong house. That's what happened in Kentucky. As a result of that, someone dies. If every now and then, a little piece of evidence is destroyed, but an innocent person doesn't get killed, that's just a trade-off society should be willing to have. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And another reason why police are so horrible in this country, as we've discussed, is qualified immunity. Basically, police can do whatever they want, even things that will be considered murder if done by a civilian, and not even face civil trial for it. Opposition to this is not controversial. In fact, a new poll from Pew Research shows that 66% of respondents, a full two-thirds, are in favor of ending qualified immunity. I've covered on my YouTube channel how this works and how it came about, but very quickly, someone can only sue a police officer for something he did while on duty if there is precedent for that very specific situation saying that immunity doesn't apply. One case I covered was that of police sicking a police dog on a kneeling suspect who had already surrendered. The court said that immunity applied because the victim didn't have a precedent showing that immunity should be removed. The precedent he did show the court didn't apply because in that case, the suspect was lying down instead of kneeling, and therefore it wasn't a precedent at all. This Reason Magazine article notes several such cases, including where cops shot a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, arrested a man for standing outside his own house, body-slammed a 130-pound woman, and even prison guards who locked a prisoner naked in cells filled with raw sewage and human feces all of whom got immunity for their actions. And so the question, as Billy Binion asks, is that, as horrible as it is, and as many people in the U.S. are against it, why isn't Congress doing anything? Some have tried. Justin Amash, the only libertarian in Congress, introduced legislation to eliminate qualified immunity, and Democrat Ayanna Presley joined as co-sponsor. They even gained support from some Republicans. 
Republican Senator Mike Braun introduced his own legislation, which would take the opposite approach to the current status quo. Officers would have to show precedent that immunity did apply instead of victims showing it didn't. But we can't expect any help from Trump here. He's a tough-on-crime, law-and-order president, meaning he's such a narcissist he can't stand to be seen as weak or soft on crime or any of that stuff. As for Biden, well, no one can seem to figure out where he stands on this. He says immunity has gone too far and needs to be reined in, and other such vague statements that politicians love making without actually committing to anything. But considering that, according to this same poll, 84% of Democrats want qualified immunity ended. You really have to wonder what it'll take to get him to take a side on something. By the way, Libertarian candidate Joe Jorgensen has unequivocally stated that qualified immunity should be ended. Just saying. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to transistorize this week's biggest bogan emitter. Brace yourselves for this one. It's the St. Louis Circuit Attorney for what they did after charging Mark and Patricia McCloskey. We haven't covered this, but unless you've been spending all your time in your COVID bunker playing two-deck Klondike instead of watching the news, you've heard about them. They're the couple who defended their property against protesters who were threatening their home in St. Louis, Missouri. The McCloskeys, who are both trial lawyers, called police and came out of their house in defense of a Black Lives Matter mob who had broken through a gate on a private street that was clearly labeled no trespassing. In McCloskey's words, quote, A mob of at least a hundred smashed through the historic wrought iron gates of Portland Place, destroying them, rushed toward my home where my family was having dinner outside, and put us in fear for our lives. This is all private property. There are no public sidewalks or public streets. I was terrified that we'd be murdered within seconds. Our house would be burned down. Our pets would be killed. We were all alone facing an angry mob. You can actually hear threats on the video. That is, if you listen to more of it than the tiny cherry-picked clips shown by the news media to make them appear to be peaceful protesters, when in reality this is as clear a case of home defense as you could ever want. But that's not what Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner said, quote, 
I am alarmed at the events that occurred over the weekend where peaceful protesters were met by guns and a violent assault. We must protect the right to peacefully protest and any attempt to chill it through intimidation or threat of deadly force will not be tolerated. My office is currently working with the public and police to investigate these events. Make no mistake, we will not tolerate the use of force against those exercising their First Amendment rights and I will use the full power of Missouri law to hold people accountable. They were charged with unlawful use of a weapon. Now, here's where things get hairy. Missouri is a castle doctrine state, which basically means that when you're in your own home, you get to protect yourself from an intruder, even by using deadly force. Missouri's castle doctrine is one of the strongest in the country. It allows defense against the use or imminent use of unlawful force. In other words, if you have good reason to think that they're about to use force against you, like, say, they're yelling out threats, as was the case here, the castle doctrine applies. Back when Missouri's self-defense ranks were being expanded to the level they are today, one of the most vocal opponents of them was Kim Gardner herself. Imagine that. And now we come to the reason we've brought it up. In order for these charges to stick, the gun has to be readily capable of lethal use. The McCloskeys had surrendered their guns, Mark's rifle and Patricia's handgun. Patricia had told them that she had used her gun only as a deterrent and it was incapable of firing. But according to the police department, the gun was, quote, readily capable of lethal use. Turns out, the reason why is that Gardner ordered crime lab experts to disassemble and reassemble the gun. Blatant evidence tampering. She had used the gun previously in a court case against the manufacturer and, so that she could bring it into the courthouse, had rendered it unable to fire by swapping the firing pin and the firing spring. She hadn't bothered to fix it by the time all this happened. According to court documents received by local NBC affiliate KSDK, which goes by the moniker 5 on your side, quote, The firearm could not be test-fired as submitted. The firearm was field-stripped and found to have been assembled incorrectly. The firing pin spring was placed in front of the firing pin, which was backwards, and will not fire in this condition. The firearm was reassembled properly, test-fired, and functioned as designed. According to Joel Schwartz, attorney for the McCloskeys, quote, It's disheartening to learn that a law enforcement agency altered evidence in order to prosecute an innocent member of the community. Gardner's spokeswoman only said, We can't comment on a pending case. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has called it a political prosecution and said he will step in to get the case dismissed. He tweeted, as AG, I have a duty to protect the fundamental rights of all Missourians, including the right to keep and bear arms in self-defense of one's person and home. The right to defend one's person, family, home, and property has deep roots in Missouri law. Self-defense is the central component of the right to keep and bear arms, which receives the highest protection from the Missouri Constitution. A highly publicized criminal prosecution of citizens for exercising these fundamental freedoms threatens to intimidate and deter law-abiding citizens from exercising their constitutional right of self-defense. The prosecution sends a powerful message to all Missourians that they exercise their fundamental right to self-defense at their peril. Missourians should not fear exposure to criminal prosecution, even prison time, when they use firearms to defend themselves and their homes. 
I have a duty to protect and defend the Constitution and statutory rights of Missourians, including the constitutional right to keep and bear arms and the right to self-defense by way of our Constitution and Missouri's Castle Doctrine. I won't read out his full Twitter thread, which is really long and you can read it yourself, but another couple highlights are... The Founders viewed the right to keep and bear arms in self-defense as a natural right that was inalienable. This recognition predated the adoption of the U.S. Constitution and had deep roots in English concepts of liberty forged in the Glorious Revolution of 1689. Thus, under principles of English law that the Founders viewed as fundamental, the right to keep and bear arms was a recognition of the natural right of self-defense of one's person or house as part of the law of self-preservation and central to the Second Amendment. The Founders knew the right to keep and bear arms, not the government, is the citizen's first line of defense against physical attack. Thus, this right received its greatest emphasis during times when government could not be trusted to protect citizens' personal security. Further, the Castle Doctrine specifically shields Missourians who act in valid self-defense from prosecution for unlawful use of a weapon by exhibiting a weapon in an angry or threatening manner under 571.030.1. Paragraph 4. In fact, 571.030.5 states, It shall not apply to persons who are engaged in a lawful act of defense pursuant to section 563-031. Thus, this is not a case where the defendants must raise the self-defense as an affirmative defense or assert the exercise of a constitutional right as a defense to justify conduct that otherwise would constitute a crime. Exhibiting a weapon in an act of valid self-defense is not a crime at all. So even if they hadn't altered the evidence, even if the gun had always been functional, they still would have been completely within their rights and prosecutors in Missouri have no authority to charge them with anything. Her office deliberately tampered with evidence, and even after that, still made it where they wouldn't have been in violation of the law. All because this is a law that Gardner herself personally doesn't like. Along with, apparently, the whole of the Bill of Rights. So all of that makes Kim Gardner this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmoo, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmoo dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's commodify this week's Idiot And this week it goes to the U.S. Department of Justice for protecting secrets that shouldn't be secrets to begin with. 
We asked this question before. Why does the U.S. seem so bent on keeping information on COVID-19 vaccines from China and the rest of the world? They've been obsessing over the idea that Chinese hackers are stealing American research regarding the coronavirus outbreak. I mean, why? Now they've actually charged two Chinese hackers for stealing COVID-19 research, citing, of all things, trade secret laws. Look, regardless of what you think about IP in general, what possible defense could there be for keeping secret vital information about a global pandemic? Isn't this supposed to be the time when we're sharing as much data as possible so we can quickly figure out the best course of action? I mean, it's not as if we don't know that treatments get developed faster when information is open. So what is this really about? The profit of cronies? Nationalistic bluster? Is it some sort of retaliation for all the blatant misinformation coming out of China? If so, then what is the U.S. doing other than throwing the same kind of childish tantrum? Locking up information about the virus and any potential vaccine makes no sense. Bragging about it makes even less sense, but that's actually what the Justice Department did. They issued an 11-count indictment against the two hackers and said, China has now taken its place alongside Russia, Iran, and North Korea in that shameful club of nations that provide a safe haven for cyber criminals in exchange for those criminals being on call to work for the benefit of the state. Oh yeah, because the U.S. doesn't do that at all. What was our first story in this podcast about again? And to feed the Chinese Communist Party's insatiable hunger for American and other non-Chinese companies' hard-earned intellectual property, including COVID-19 research. By the way, they know that they can't do a blasted thing about these hackers since they're way over in China and aren't subject to U.S. law. But hey, it's an election year and we've got grandstanding to do. The UK's National Cybersecurity Center did the same thing with Russian hackers going by the name APT29, saying, quote, APT29's campaign of malicious activity is ongoing, predominantly against government, diplomatic, think tank, healthcare, and energy targets to steal valuable intellectual property. Meanwhile, Congressman Kevin McCarthy is introducing a bill to sanction foreign hackers trying to get COVID-19 research. He even calls it the Defend COVID Research from Hackers Act. Again, foreign hackers aren't subject to U.S. jurisdiction, although the imperialists in our government continually make it clear they believe that to be the case. But of all things to do this with, why COVID-19 research that would let them share in the benefits of scientific discoveries made by others? Why are scientific discoveries even secret in the first place? What kind of IP maximalist do you have to be to agree with this? So all of that makes the DOJ this week's Well, that wraps up this Don't Try No Fargan Trick or You'll End Up With Your Bells in a Sling edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Valterine Declare. 
I think it can be shown that the law makes ten criminals where it restrains one. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins.